this woman walks out and was like, Liam, we need to talk to you. And she was like, look, I can't tell you what this movie is, but all I can tell you is that it's the biggest movie in the world. And one of our lead actors is looking for a body double and your physical dimensions are exactly the same as his. And we've been looking for you for the last six months and you've just walked through the door. No way. Mad. Audition after audition after audition, I found out I was body doubling for Tom Hardy as Bane That's in the, no in the way, third Batman film. Come on, come on, let's have it. Welcome to the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast with your hosts, Callum Webber and Jacob Ingamgott. Here we are then. So, wow. so here we are, we're back with the Freedom Lifestyle Podcast and this one is, is going to be a very, very special one and I'm so grateful that all the Freedom Lifestyle listeners are going to have the honour to listen to the, the man, Liam Collins. And it's a bit of a mad story really, like rewind back to 2021 and obviously I was really involved with network marketing Jacob got me involved in it and one of the network marketing goats is Fraser Brooks yeah and I was listening to his podcast which Legend. I highly highly recommend and I actually listened to a podcast where he interviewed you Liam and I actually messaged you back in 2021 about that podcast and you didn't reply you didn't reply shall I reply now <laughs> however fast forward I'm gonna now I'm going to get a message up <laughs> Here we go. If you scroll up, you'll see it. Show it to the camera. I did reply. Oh, you, did you? I did reply two days later. Look at that. Look, uh, look. I did reply. Did you? You said, just heard you on Fraser Brooks podcast. Great story and great to connect. I said, thanks for listening, mate. I'm pleased you enjoy it. Right, there you we are. I was wrong. I was wrong. I was wrong. However, however, fast forward to 2023. <laughs> We are now interviewing Liam Collins on the Freedom Lifestyle podcast, and his story is absolutely crazy. I can't wait to dive deep into it. You've scaled a £25 million coaching company with your best mate. So to give a bit of context, mad, uh, mad, to give a bit of context, Liam, to our Freedom Lifestyle listeners, obviously a lot of young entrepreneurs, rewind before, you know, the glory days of now with a £25 million company. Yeah, like, yeah. Where did it all start, mate? Oh, mate, you know... So I was an actor before I was a coach, before I was ever a coach. And, you know, I didn't know anyone that was actors in my family. I didn't have any friends that were actors. I wasn't the kid that did school plays. Drama class was the worst thing in the world to me. I didn't want to get up. I didn't want to talk in front of anyone. You know what? That's an interesting point, actually. That's something I don't talk about very often. I'll kind of rewind a little bit more towards that. I... I I found it really difficult to speak when I was younger. And I don't mean in the form of any kind of like speech impediment, anything like that. It was uh, it was just a fear, like a limiting belief that I had that if I was to say anything, it would either be really uninteresting or it would not be funny or it wouldn't land quite right. And because of that, I was so fearful to say anything. And I had a very boisterous group of friends like my group of friends in uh in school were the, were the group of lads kind of in the middle of the playground like roaring with laughter because they're all cracking jokes and they're all hilarious and and I was part of that group but that wasn't me I wasn't the one cracking the jokes I wouldn't say anything I would just be part of it and I think it started to come from there I was like so scared to say anything because I thought oh like what if I crack a joke and it just everyone goes silent and and because of that I almost developed a little bit of a complex around that and I don't think I've really properly shared that before or, or dug into that and so the idea of me at 19 years old waking up one day and saying I want to be an actor was just so out there, you know, and none of my friends understood it when I told them. Like I got ripped to shreds for it. My family were very supportive, but it kind of came out of nowhere. And so I kind of toddled down to my local amateur theatre and I walked in and I was just like, look, I've never done this before, but I think I could be a good actor. I'd love to like see, see if that's right. And they were like, look, we've got an audition. 
next week for a play, you know, come and audition for this part. And I went in there and I auditioned for the part and I got the part. And then I, all of a sudden, a week later, I'm doing these auditions, uh, these, these rehearsals. And then two months later, I'm up on stage. And I swear to God, lads, right, the first ever time I performed, it was in a play called A Taste of Honey. I played this character called Jeffrey. And when I took my first bow at the end of the play, there were seven people in the audience, right? And two of those was my mum and my sister. And I just felt like a star. Yeah. I felt like a fucking superstar. I was like, wow, this is it. This is what I want to do. And so my acting career started then. And I did three years in drama school and I ended up doing some like cool theater. I did some TV parts. I did like some really awesome films. I acted with some cool people. And, uh, and really that's kind of where this whole thing started because even at that point in my life, I'm not an entrepreneur. I haven't got a business, you know, I'm not making any kind of money apart from whatever money I'm making from acting, but it definitely started there because I think it was just the, it was the, it was putting myself out of my comfort zone in such a dramatic way to try to achieve glory, which is why I, I started, I got into acting in the first place. I wanted to be famous, you know, it's completely not what you want to hear when you go to some of the top drama schools in the world and they're like no it's all about the craft it's all about this which it is for me now but i just wanted to be famous and it started there because that was the first moment where i was like i'm going to do something i'm going to do something different and if, and 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 then what happened was um i got to a point where all the acting work just dried up you know i i'd gone from I, I used to be like really into bodybuilding i was so into it about 10 years ago down to the point where i knew like every little physical dimension of like my, my legs, my forearms and everything. And I went into this audition one day and they didn't tell me what it was for. And I walked in and I filled out this form with all my physical dimensions. And then this woman walks out and was like, Liam, we need to talk to you. And she looked flustered and she was like, look, I can't tell you what this movie is, but all I can tell you is that it's the biggest movie in the world at the moment with the biggest cast of actors. And one of our lead actors is looking for a body double and your physical dimensions are exactly the same as his. And we've been looking for you for the last six months and you've just walked through the door. No way. Mad. Audition after audition after audition, I found out I was body doubling for Tom Hardy as Bane That's in the, no in the way. third Batman mental, film. You wouldn't believe mental. it now. I've lost like a lot of weight since then, but I was like really stocky at the time. And how long ago was this clip now? It, clip oh, it. Yeah, clip it, clip, clip it. it. Clip it. <laughs> this was like... This was a lot, it was 13 years yeah. ago. 13 what? years ago. Yeah, that was, yeah. 2010, I, I, I went to that audition and shot that movie in 2010. And uh, and I thought, I've made it, this is it. Like yeah, I was yeah, 20 yeah. years old, I'd only been acting for a year. And all of a sudden I'm on set with Tom Hardy and Morgan Freeman and Michael Caine and Anne levels. Hathaway, Christian Bale, levels, yeah. massive levels, like boom, boom, like that. And then after that film, I did a film with Benedict Cumberbatch and me and him had this like fucking sick fight scene. I did, uh, I played a lead in a BBC One drama. I did another BBC drama. I was like, I did it. And I did it in record short amount of time. What was your biggest massive. lesson from Morgan Freeman? Because he is the GOAT. Yeah. Oh man, I feel so... <laughs> ridiculous saying this and i've said it on a couple of other podcasts but he's a touch boring really Ooh. i remember i remember you say that actually in the podcast was he's a little before, bit yeah. boring and you think i mean it's morgan freeman right he's the voice of god you just think this guy is going to be the most interesting person on earth but anne hathaway on the other hand is so outrageously interesting and she's so approachable and she's the nicest woman you'll ever meet and she's like call me annie and i got in trouble with her personal trainer big time on set because she was playing catwoman 
right? Have you seen that film, the third Batman film with, with yeah, Tom yeah, Brady? Yeah, 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 yeah. You've yeah, seen it, right? Yeah. Film, yeah. So Anne Hathaway playing Catwoman in the Catwoman suit. I mean, you can imagine the fucking shape she needed to get in into to play this part. And I'm sitting there in the cafeteria one day fucking down in this chocolate cake because I'm trying to stack, <laughs> I'm just stacking on weight, right? Yeah. When I, I rocked up like the heaviest I'd ever been and they were like, the first audition, they were like, are you willing to completely wet shave your head? And I was like, yeah, I was 20 years old. I just turned up to the audition for like beer money. And all of a sudden they're saying, this is the biggest movie on earth. They were like, can you put on more weight? I was like, yeah, I can put on more weight. Like, just go for it. So I'm just like down in this chocolate cake and Anne Hathaway fucking walks in and she goes, oh, that chocolate cake looks amazing. And I was like, have some, have some. And her PT went spare at me <laughs> and was just like, what do you think you're doing? This is Anne Hathaway. She's playing Catwoman in the biggest movie in the world. Like, what do you think you're playing? At? Like, you're giving her fucking chocolate cake. And she was properly angry, like really angry with me. And I was like, oh shit, okay. But Morgan Freeman, on the other hand, I didn't, I didn't manage to have like that much interesting conversation with him. But Anne Hathaway, what? very interesting. Christian Bale, nicest guy ever, which is like a lot of people will feel like they're a bit touchy around Christian Bale. Super nice guy. Um, I idolized Tom Hardy. I have done since I became an actor. I idolized him from when I was 19 years old. He's 12 years older than me, which is really fucking weird for me because I'm a year older now than he was on that film, but I still sort of see him as the man. And um, and he was interesting, yeah. He's sort of like, you can't really tell with Tom. Sometimes he's like a bit prickly. Sometimes he's really welcoming. But then I had to just stop and think every so often, like, God, he's got weight on his shoulders here. Like he's carrying Huge. the biggest movie. Because at the time, it was the biggest budget a movie had ever had. And um, I, there were there were talks on set of it, like exceeding 300 mil, which at wow. the time was just, I think films have done more than that now. But at the time, that was an outrageous budget to have. And I think about it now and I just think, God, that guy had a lot of pressure on his shoulders. Mad to see like, that world as well, like 20 years old. Like yeah. 20 years old, seeing that world after being acting for one year and like, rewinding back to when you're at school saying you want the most confident and your group were a lot more like out there yeah. than you were. And now next minute you're on, you're on like with chilling with Morgan Freeman, yeah. Christian Bell. What yeah, did you, so obviously like that is in some people's perspective is like the pinnacle of, of mm. networking. Oh yeah. So like, what was sort of your biggest takeaways in terms of networking, getting in front of them, speaking to them, and, and just like taking learnings and, and making those sort of connections? Like, that, that, your... that is a brilliant question because still to this day, it's one of my biggest regrets that because I was so scared to disrupt the boat. I didn't want to rock the boat. And I was like, I felt so privileged to be on that set and have this job. And I was terrified of losing it every day, every day. In fact, when we, day one and of turning up to the set, they gathered everyone. And there was, and this was a big crew. I mean, there was probably like 300 people there. And they held up this picture, just a black and white picture of a guy's face. And he, they said, this guy used to work on this production as like a production runner, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Uh, he, he's been fired and he'll never work in movies ever again. And we were like, oh fuck okay like why i'm really curious i don't want that to be me and they said because he had his phone on set we don't have our phone on set and they were so security conscious and i took that dead seriously and it's kind of what a, what, what for like, photos yeah what, what was the why why were they so security focused because because at the time it was like if there was a photo that was leaked of say bane's costume or what the new Bat Batman costume looked like, or what the set looked like, it, the press were like all on it. Man. So you could sell those pictures. If you were on set and you like snapped a picture of like 
Tom Hardy in the Bane costume because no one had seen it yet. And at the time, there was, I mean, this is a lot, it was like 13 years ago, but at the time there was a, such a huge buzz around this film that that was like gold if you had those pictures. Like even where we filmed it, which was this place in Bedford called Cardington, which are like these two big uh, air, hollow aircraft hangars, there was a perimeter around the place, which was probably about a mile and a half long. And you could see all the press with these lenses like that long, just trying to snap a shot of anything, just anything. And obviously social media was around 13 years ago, but I think it was a bit different in the sense that it was like primarily Facebook and you're just connecting with like your friends and family. So to have a photo of that set at the time was very valuable. So because of that, they were like no phones. So I took that really seriously, which I kind of regret because I've, I've only got one photo of me on set and I'd love to have more. But um, in terms of networking, in the same vein, I was just—I I was very scared. I didn't want to upset people, and I didn't want to annoy them, and I didn't want to feel like I was over overstepping the mark. So I found myself in the best networking opportunity on earth, and I didn't really maximize it. If I could talk to my twenty-year-old self now, I would say one hundred percent: be yourself. Yeah. Just be charismatic as you are. Yep, just yep. talk to everyone. Take an interest in what they're doing. Just ask them questions about what it is they're doing in the in the vein of something that they're going to have an interest in. And just find ways in which you could add value to their lives, even if it's through com conversation or if it's through introduction, just anything. I would tell myself to just be braver and bolder whilst being myself. And I instead, that. I was in my shell. Because I was terrified to lose lose the job. I didn't want to lose the job. But looking, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't have lost the job. You know, I think people would have appreciated it because they want to talk about what they do and what they're oh, passionate about. Hundred yeah. percent. That's some huge advice for our listeners that are young entrepreneurs. Definitely. Like, don't be scared. Be yourself and just go all in when you're meeting people. And firstly, obviously, thank you for sharing that story and being vulnerable, saying like what you regret it. Of so course. obviously, in terms of like, you know, that was a, a high pinnacle point of your life. And you mentioned, like rewind back earlier, you mentioned about your the acting dried up. So mm. let's talk a little bit more about like you had that high at 20 years old. And then obviously the way I like to live my life is like almost like creating a movie. And yeah. I feel like you're doing the same. And in mm. movies, it's not always good. It's no. not always good. And there, there are times in life where it can get quite hard. So mm. you mentioned that your acting dried up. So let's rewind back to that period of your life where it yeah. dried up. How did it affect you? Yeah. Uh, and talk a bit more about that, Liam. Definitely. Uh, I love what you say there about the fact that you construct your life like a movie. I think that's yeah. really cool. I don't know if you guys have ever done this. You strike me as the type of guys you probably have, but you ever walk down the street listening to music and you're just, oh, you're embrace, <laughs> you, embrace it, yeah. you embrace it like you're <laughs> like, in a movie. Right? Yeah, exactly. I feel like I'm in a movie 24-7. Yeah, 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 and yeah, good, yeah. you should. Yeah. Life. You yeah. should. Yeah, you're yeah. the main character yes. and you should always have that mindset. And like the amount of times I walk down the street listening to music and I'm like this, feel like this is a scene. You feel the energy, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah and I'll yeah. play out the scene in my head yeah. and like what, and everyone else is like the audience or they're part of the scene. Anyway, anyway. So, um, to answer your question, yeah, that, I mean, that was tough. Like that was like, I mean, it was awful really, because I'd gone from being absolutely completely convinced that I'd made it in record time. And I'm going to, I'm always open and transparent, right? I'll tell you anything I'm thinking, anything I'm feeling. And a lot of the time because of that, I'll share things I've never shared before. And I'll, which is what I'm about to say. But also there was like a big fuck you that I had becoming an actor because the group of friends that I was talking about, 
have you ever had the experience where you've had a group of friends but they're not really your friends yeah. it's like they yeah. just fucking they get off on putting you down yeah i'm not about that i'm not about that vibe right i me and my friends do not have a friendship which is built upon the foundation of slating each other or putting mm. each other down or because there's proper malice behind that like yeah, yeah. you might insecurity. think oh 100 there's insecurity there's malice and there's a desire to see you crumble mm. and i felt that and i felt like i could see it even from quite a young age from like 15 16 and i never really resonated with it which is probably part of the reason why i also just wasn't the one that would speak i resonate with that so much i do i do so yeah much. and so because of that and because of being an individual that wanted more, and this mm. is why I love you guys so much, because you are cl you clearly want more, you want a better life for yourselves, you want to create something, you want to add value, and you're, you're vocal about it. And because that comes with criticism from your peers, your friends, who are either not on that level or they're scared of that and they're worried about how that's going to make them look or make them feel, and they start fucking slating you for it, I'm, I was target number one. Number one. Because... Another thing to bear in mind, I'm 33 years old, right? I was born in 1989. And so back when I was like 17 in 2007, me talking about personal development type stuff and how I'm going to create something one day and I'm going to be famous and I'm going to be rich and I'm going to add value to people's lives. And I, mate, I was, that wasn't the norm in any way whatsoever. Like that was freak stuff. Yeah. And I was like freak number one because I was so vocal about it and so open about that. And so I'd get slated like you wouldn't fucking believe. And so becoming an actor and climbing the, the levels of being an actor so quickly, I feel like a big part of the reason as to why I did that and was capable of that is because I was like, I want to be able to create the biggest fuck you anyone's ever had you know and i'm i'm proud of that i'm open about that i know it might not be the kind of energy that we want to hold on to forever but it definitely gave me a boost it gave me a big it was boost. like your motivation at the start absolutely it was my motivation at the start and I'd, I'd be lying if i said that there wasn't still a little bit of that you know you know there's little things like um some of the guys that used to properly slate me like i'll see them like watching my stories and stuff and i said it on a podcast once and immediately, you can tell they also listen to the podcast I'm on because immediately the day after, they've gone. And I've never saw them again. And I was like, where the fuck are these guys? Where they at? Where they at? <laughs> I was like, fuck, like, I'm uploading all this fucking brilliant shit, like talking like materialistic stuff as well. And I like, just dropped 15 grand on a holiday. Where the fuck is that guy that said I'd never amount to it? He stopped watching. But then all of a sudden, there's a lot of fake accounts i'm like oh there they are um so anyway to go back to your question callum because uh sometimes you'll think i've lost the thread I'll, I'll never lose the thread how did it feel when it all crumbled you know that i felt the loss of that i was like where's my fuck you gone shit i've got nothing to like rub in their faces now because i've lost it it's gone i'm not on tv anymore I'm not doing movies. I'm not even even on the London stage doing a play. I can't get an audition. And uh, and I mentioned this on a podcast recently, but I know I know why it was. I went on for years saying, oh, I don't know what happened. My agent stopped calling me. The work dried up. I know exactly why I dried up in the industry. And that was because I started approaching it in a very bitter way. And this is also a big bit of advice for all of your young listeners. I started... If I didn't, if I went to an audition, I didn't get it. 
I would have a million excuses as to why I didn't get it. And the reasons were, oh, it's because I'm a working class actor. They don't like working class actors. They can't like handle my energy. They don't like me. Bitter, 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 like victim, 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 right? And I really fell into that in a big way to a point where I think that they just didn't want to fucking see me anymore. They were just like, well, screw this guy. He's bringing a bad energy. And I was, I was bringing a bad energy to the, the acting industry. And that therefore I wasn't getting any more auditions. What I should have done is I should have just taken all the attention off of me and been like, it's not about me. It's about a, the, the bigger picture. You know, the casting director that's casting for a particular part, they've got a director that they need to please. There's a writer that has a particular vision in his head. There's a set designer. There's this person. There's this person. I'm just one small part of it. And if I don't fit, I don't fit. That's fine. If I do fit, brilliant. I'll get the part. But every time I didn't get a part, I became more bitter. And then eventually when I got to the point where it was like, well, if I don't get the next part I auditioned for, I can't pay my more, my rent at the time. Then I had the sickly smell of desperation mm. as well. So I, I had a bad combo. I had the combination of bitterness and desperation. And no one wants either one of those, let alone A lot both of bad of energy. A lot Compared of bad energy. Compared to like how you are now. 100%. I should have just completely loved the process, gone mm. with the flow, been happy. I think it was... Um, I can't remember who said this. I think it might have been uh, Robert De Niro. He said, the best way to approach an, an audition is in the exact same way you would approach the job if you've already got the job. Yes. Whereas a lot of people think, right, I'm going to this audition in order to get the job. So yeah. I need to fight for it. And he was like, just imagine you've already got it. Be chilled. I like that. Chill. You, you could apply that to anything. You can apply it to anything. Anything. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Especially sales. Yeah. And, uh, and he was like, you're approaching it like it's already, already happened. happened. They've yeah. already That's offered it to you. To and now this is day one of character creation. This is day one of freedom, movement, experimenting mm. with things. So you'd be going into an audition with a totally different energy. Like, I'm free. I'm good. Yes. I, I've got Just movement. Just have fun. Just have fun. And, and I lost that. I uh, lost that. I, you were on about in the last podcast I listened to you with Richard Branson. And something stood out with me with Richard Branson on stage. And yeah. he just started making like kid noises on yeah. stage. Yeah. And he went, the key to business is just have fun. Mm, it's that like fun, that. Yeah. good energy. I love that guy. Because energy is everything. Yeah. Uh, he, he said something absolutely incredible on a documentary I watched recently. Um, and I was really inspired by this because I'll, I'll tell you why afterwards. He, he basically said, uh, it, it's a good documentary. Everyone should watch it. It's on Sky and it's like a four-part documentary. And he was saying about how at this point, he had already built up Virgin to be something crazy, like a $20 billion company or something outrageous. And he was sitting around a, a table with, with all of his board members and they were having a chat and it was board members, it was advisors, it was like some of the key people in Virgin. And he sat there and he realized that they were talking about net profit and gross profit, which most people would think is pretty basic. And he didn't know what they were talking about. He was like, I don't understand. And then one of his advisors took him outside and said, when we talk about net profit and gross profit, you don't know what we mean, do you? And he was like, nope, no idea. How fucking inspiring is that? Richard Branson, <laughs> yeah. probably one of the greatest entrepreneurs to have ever lived, is listening to the business school kind of terminology, gross profit, net profit. He's already built a $20 billion business and he's like, I don't even know what that means. How I'm inspired by that because I'm that that when I heard that I thought I don't need to know all of those little nitty gritty intricate details to be able to build a great business as long as I'm leading it with me my energy my personality my vision I just thought that was epic when he said that I resonate a lot with that well yourself like you're a university dropout 
50 you grand. are a Congrats. Sorry, I'm a university dropout. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm, sorry, I'm a university dropout. You did uni, but you Congrats. did business. Yeah. And um, 50 grand of debt, didn't learn one thing. Three years to not learn a thing. And you're Mate. learning business of someone who's probably never Hang run up. a business. He's an employee. My business partner, Lewis, he's got a great story around that. So... I mean, he's got, he, he'd be a good guest on this podcast. Lewis has got a fascinating story. He really has. Like he, um, I'll, I'll tell you a tiny little bit. So basically he had a really abusive dad. His dad used to beat him up all the time and he sort of convinced him he was a bad person, essentially convinced him he was stupid, convinced him he was a bad person. And then Lewis like said, well, bad people do bad things. He went on a downward, yeah. programmed, went on a downward spiral, ended up in a young offenders institute, then ended up in an adult prison for a viol uh, violent crime. In prison, discovered coaching. Was no like, way. wow, I, I gotta tell That's the <laughs> insane, right? And also, he said in prison was the first time anyone else, anyone ever believed in him because he said there was this one woman, like a care worker, I think. I don't know if that's what they call them. And uh, and he said to her, Do you think I could go to university? And she said, Of course, you can. And he was like, That was the first time anyone had ever said anything like that. Wow. So he left prison and he, he went to uni and he studied a business course, right? He was like, I don't know exactly how far, maybe a few months or a year or whatever into this course, realized what you guys are talking about and was like, this fucker up on the stage doesn't have a clue what he's talking about. He's never run a business in his life. I'm not going to learn anything here, right? Dropped out of uni within the first year. By the time his peers finished that course, me and him had built a $25 million business. That's mad. That's How mad is that? that wow. Is mental. That's mental. That's, that's crazy, isn't it? That's, ah, right, that's wild. Clip <laughs> it. Clip it. No way. That's mental. He was like, he, he had this realization. We were talking one day and it was like pretty soon after we'd got the $25 million valuation for our business. And he was like, that class that I took, he was like, they're just, they're finishing about now. And I was like, that's wow, wild. That's mental, that. Crazy, isn't it? Mad. Let's talk more about then about, like, obviously, you've created a £25 million uh, company with Lewis. Can't wait to connect with Lewis yeah. as well. If you, I know you'll be listening to this, Lewis, yeah. so we'll get connecting, lad. Um, so let's talk more about how you've managed to create a £25 million company in mm. clearly a quick time, because he must have been in two years then, I guess, if he only had, if the course was three yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, so we started the business in 2019, We've been running the business for four years. I think it was a four-year course he was on. Okay. And so we got the valuation three years into starting the business. So from zero to $25 million. We do everything in dollars because we've got students from 85 different countries. Mad. So it's like do the dollar is the most internationally yeah. recognized currency. We need to do that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, mate. It was, and it's, you know, it's a significant transition doing that one. But, you know, it's an interest. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But... um. Yeah, so three years into starting the business from zero to $25 million valuation in three years. And I think it was a four-year business course he was on. So by that point, wow. he was like, oh, my peers would have just finished that course. How wild is that? To think that they're going to have just left uni with a bunch of nothing and a load of debt, not, not having a, a clue how to start a business. And we'd already done it, just taken action and just done it. Insane, Mad. insane. Mad. So, what Mental. is it that what obviously coaching masters is is the is the business you built yeah. uh, from the ground up to twenty five million in in three years with Lewis? So, what is it that you guys specialize with, and mm. like who who are you helping? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. So, to sort of rewind a little bit to to help answer it, you know, when I when I when my acting career crumbled, I became a full time Royal Mail postman. 
this is going to lead me on to the next question, so I'll let you go on. Crack on, crack on, crack on. Crack on. <laughs> go on, no, ask me that, ask me that question. Well, I, 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 will... I, I was going to say, so um, obviously like when I was listening to your podcast before and you were talking about that and you were knocking on Tom Hardy's door, <laughs> um, it ridiculous. Like, in some people's perspective, that could be like perceived as like, shit, I've hit rock bottom. I yeah, don't know it what was, it was for yeah, me. Exactly. Yeah, how I feel. And Jesus, um, man. Big time. The question I was going to ask on that is like, what was going through your head? Like, what was the mindset that you had at the time based on that? But I'll let, I'll let you finish that question I first. will, and I, I, will, yeah, yeah. I will loop into that Go for on, sure. Cool. Oh, man, it was dark. It was like really dark because I said, look, I need a job where I can pay my rent and I can get to auditions if I get an audition. And I was like, what can I do? What can I do? And I thought, well, I'll become a postman because as, because as long as my auditions are after 12 o'clock every day, when I clock off, I, I can I can actually make it. Smart. Smart, yeah. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. you know, for all of the actors out there, it's actually a pretty good job for actors. So just pay attention to that one because it is. Because you, you get the cool... The thing is as well, that job itself wasn't that bad, right? The job itself wasn't that bad. And in my place in Richmond where I was a postie, it was like an old school um, delivery office, right? So they had something called job and finish, which basically meant you got paid for eight hours regardless of how fast you are. So I was like the young buck who was like, I'm going to be fucking rapid around this thing. Like I was rocking up four o'clock in the morning, tying up my mail into bundles, like rapidly, like you wouldn't believe, slinging it over my back. And I was running, like I was sprinting around this thing. Like Santa Claus. Yeah, like Santa Claus, exactly. I could have delivered toys to every fucking kid around the world within like less than 24 hours. And, uh, and so I was like rapid. I was like, go, 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 go. So there were times where I was like at home at 9 a.m like done for the day. So as far as being an actor was concerned, it was great because if I did get an audition, which were few and far between then, I could make it. So anyway, I was always saying to myself, it's going to be temporary. But then all of a sudden, you know, one week turns into two weeks, turns into a month, two months, six months, one year, two years. Like this temporary job all of a sudden is my full-time gig for a long period of time. And so anyway, there was a day where I needed to deliver a package to Tom Hardy's house because he lived in Richmond where it wasn't my route, but I had to cover someone one day. And I was like, oh, fuck, like, what am I going to say? Am I going to say, me? it's me, Liam, like, I was your body double. We worked together for no six months. Do you remember way. me? Because we, we chatted every day for, for a long period of time. Like, there was, even, there was even a moment where his wife, a woman called Charlotte Riley, who is the most wonderful woman in the world, she's so, so nice and so approachable. I was in, like, full Bane costume one day, and she came up to me on set, and she was like, hey, babe, how's the day been going? And I was like, Shh, it's been going really good, thanks. And she was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. And I was just like, so I knew, I knew, I knew like her a little bit. And I, as I was like, you know, I worked with them. So I was thinking, what do I say? How do I explain that I'm now delivering your packages? So anyway, all day I'm thinking, I don't know what I'm going to say. I knock on the door. Tom answers the door. He's got like big beard. He's in his fucking dressing gown. He's like, just woken up. And I just, I, I froze. Like I couldn't say anything. I, I, and all I ended up saying was, I need your signature for the package. And he caught us over and was like, yeah. and I could tell he just had no idea who I was. And yeah. something shifted in me that day and he, he shut the door and it was the lowest moment because I just thought I was literally like not only working with this guy, but I idolize him so much as an actor and he's exactly 12 years older. So he's kind of this nice bracket where I was like, as long as I can just kind of keep up the momentum of where he was, I can get to that place. 
And at this point, I was like 20, uh, I was 27. And at 27, he had been, he was Tom Hardy at 27. You know, he had already been BAFTA winner. He had been the guy. And I was a postman. And I was like, wow, I really let myself down here big time. And I, I was in a really dark place. So to answer your question, Jacob, it was not good. Like I, I felt dreadful about that whole thing. And to loop back into your question, Callum, how that catapulted me into a new realm. And one part of my story that like a lot of people might not know about, because I don't talk about it that much. Interestingly enough, as I was growing up, my mum was an NLP trainer and a coach. She was one of the first female NLP trainers in the UK. Wow, that's crazy. And she she would have been one of the first NLP trainers full stop wow. in the UK. You know, this was back in the day. You know, I was a young kid when she became an NLP trainer. So at bedtime, I kind of joke about this, but it is true. Other kids were getting bedtime stories. I was getting Paul McKenna and Tony Robbins. And what a way Rich, to grow up. Yeah. Well, that this, like, this that is a, a young age as well. Uh, mate, I'm talking Ooh. like eight years old. Yeah, that's and, and, if and if you're listening to this and you've got kids or in the future when you've got kids, get them into personal development yes. as soon yeah, yeah, as yeah. possible. 100%. Now, the interesting thing about this is my mum was like getting me into personal development and I didn't even know. She was doing it subtly. And the mm. thing is, I think it was because out of my family, I was the only one that really cared like I, she tried introducing it to like my brother my sister they just didn't really, really want to know and i was like okay mom just tell me you know just sort of tell me what because because she was learning it so she was so buzzed about what she was learning she wanted to tell someone and no one else really cared and i was like i was only a young kid but i was like you can talk to me about it like and i would i would listen so other kids were getting bedtime stories. I was getting Richard Bandler and John Grinder and the, wow. base, the basis of no NLP way, because she was what just buzzing was off what, it. What age? This would have been all the way from like eight wow. to in my te into my teenage years. That's some good programming. Yeah, fully, <laughs> fully. What I would say about that is in terms of introducing it to your kids, definitely 100% do that, but do it subtly, as subtly mm. as possible because there were times... The reason I say that is because there were times where I needed my mum and I got a coach. Mm. And I was like, I just need my mum. What What do you mean by that? That's huge. No. I think what I mean by that is there were times where I just needed a yeah. hug yeah, and to be told that everything was going to be okay and to be kissed on the forehead. And instead, I got the coach who was never going to humor me well, I'm not going to humor you because I'm going to set you up for success. Now, I appreciate that. And, I, and that's obviously done wonders for me. But still to this day, there are moments in my past where I think, I wish I just, I wish I just needed my mom in that moment. I wish I just got my mom instead of a coach. And you can apply that as well to relationship. I really resonated with that as well because sometimes with my girlfriend, I get off on tangents with business. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes we, we just want to have time where we're not talking about business. 100%. So it's, it's, I resonate with what you said and in terms of parenting and stuff as well, having that, yeah. having that balance of Definitely. guiding them in the right direction, but also be, being a mum, being a dad. 100%. Because yeah. you yeah. guys are right. Introduce it to your kids as early as possible, but do it in a natural, organic way where you kind of set it up for them to find out about it. I, like I think that. that's really key. Because yeah. otherwise, the thing is you don't have ownership over it, over it because it becomes the thing your mum or dad does and they've kind of shoved it in front of you. I'll be completely open and transparent. <clears throat> I had zero interest in coaching for years. And it was partly because, one, it's in my mind, it was like, well, this is what my mum does. Mm. 
And with respect to the mums out there, I don't think many young men grow up to aspire to do what their mum does. It just doesn't tend to be a thing, right? Now, that's a big generalization, but, you know, I think it would be quite accurate. And then in the same instinct, because there were those moments where I just really needed my mum, but instead I got the coach, there was like a bit of resentment I had towards coaching as well. And not so much personal development in general, but like coaching, NLP. And I, and I held on to that resentment for a long time. Even when I became a coach, there was still a part of me that was like, I don't know. I don't know about this coaching thing because it's what I received when I was younger and instead I just needed my mum to give me a kiss and a cuddle. So I think absolutely introduce it to your kids 100%. Try to do it in a way where they they discover it. You yes. kind of you put it you put the personal development book over there <laughs> and they're like this is interesting. I'll start taking ownership over this instead of read that forcing it. I, yeah. I resonate a lot with that cuz the big realization for me recently is it's far more powerful to get someone to come to a, a realization themselves about something rather than projecting your model of the world onto them. 100%. So I, I resonate Let a them lot sell with themselves. Yeah, that's 100%. it. 100%. Yeah. Because it's, ownership is the word there. Because yeah. otherwise you don't have ownership 100%, over the model. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. So like, what, um, what happened for you then? At the, like, at the moment when you decided to go all in with coaching from that mindset mm. prior to that of that resentment to that what happened in that moment when yeah. you were like i'm going all in it was quite incredible really because the thing is like i i about a year into delivering the mail i got bored listening to music i started listening to podcasts and i started listening to tony robbins and paul mckenna yeah. and jack canfield Delta. and as i was listening i was like thinking i was trying to figure i was like why do i know everything about this stuff i was like i i was listening to it and i was like yeah yeah know that know that know that and then it was almost like all of those years of conditioning from my mum just went boom like that in one because i'd almost i don't think consciously and i don't think out of any kind of like rebellion but i just forgot i just forgot all that stuff my mum told me it was there and I was, it was still part of my programming and I was still living my life in a way that probably was a lot more solution focused and goal oriented and building my confidence. I was still living life in accordance to that programming in a, in a way. But I think consciously I just forgot it. I just deleted it because for all of those years, it was like, that's just what my mum does. I, I became a fully qualified NLP practitioner at 16. Wow. I, I was the youngest NLP practitioner in the world That's at one point. Mad. And the only reason was because my mum wanted bums on seats. She started, she became an NLP trainer and it was like her first ever course or it was one of her first courses. And she was like, Liam, like, do you want to come and attend and maybe like bulk up the numbers a bit? I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll do that. I'll spend my summer doing that. I became a fucking NLP practitioner at 16 years old. I'd, 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 I walked on fire at a Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within when I was 17 yeah. in 2007 right? This was way before it was like, I mean, obviously Tony Robbins has always been huge, but this was before the big social media push for personal development. And I was just doing it just because my mum wanted someone to go with. So anyway, I'm, you know, all these years later, I'm delivering the mail, listening to Tony Robbins podcast. And I'm like, I know absolutely everything about this stuff, but why, why do I know it? And then it was like, bang, every bedtime reading, every coaching session, every conversation, every course I ever did with my mum, like just went bang, just she rushing back to She planted the seed me. and it grew. She planted the seed and it grew. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like, you know, who knows where the future's going to lie. She's planting it. I felt like my mum wanted an outlet of like to share it. And then the seeds were planted. But then I was like, that's what I need to be doing. Like it was almost like it just all made sense in one moment. I was like, I need to become a coach. 
because I already, when I first became a coach, I was 27 and I used to say to my clients, I'm the only 27 year old life coach with 20 years experience because of, I was, cause I was getting this stuff since I was like seven years old. Yeah. Right. And they'd love that of course, cause it was very unique. And, uh, but that was true. It was true. I had 20 years worth of experience and conditioning and lessons and everything because of my mum. So then after the Tom Hardy thing, I was like, fuck this. Like, I'm not doing this anymore. I can't be delivering them out. I went home, I quit, quit that job. And I went all in on coaching. And it was, and I was already qualified because I was a fucking NLP practitioner. Like, and, mad, and I was yeah. already like a qualified life coach because, like when I was like 17 years old because of my mum. So I obviously refreshed my memory of it. And I did, and I ended up getting obsessive over it. Like I was just like consuming loads of books, loads of courses, loads of YouTube videos, loads of podcasts. Just I was like, if I'm going to do this, I want to try and be the best coach in the world. I want to try to be great. I want to really help people. And then I got to a point where I just started a very small one-to-one coaching business. And it was back in 2017. I didn't really know what I was doing in terms of marketing. I didn't even have a niche. Like I didn't have any form of good outreach or a, a strong message or anything like that. It was very, very basic, big, you know, stuff that a lot of traps that a lot of people fall into. Back in the day, there was this thing called the life coach directory, right? And it's probably still exists now, but it's proper dinosaur stuff. It's just like, if you'll become a life coach, create a profile in the life coach directory. And every so often you might get someone call you say, Oh, can I have a coaching session? And that's what I did. You know, and every so often I get an email from someone saying, like, I'm struggling with my confidence. I saw your profile. Can you help me? So I was like, let's meet up, have a free consultation. I used to do it in person in my apartment at London Bridge. Very old school stuff. But it was because the avatar that I had in my head of a coach was my mum and her and, and her her um, peers. So I did everything in an old school way because that was the only model I had. I didn't have another model. And so anyway, I did that for a while, saw some one-to-one clients. It was going pretty well. I was making like good money and uh not incredible but i was like i'd replace my income by a lot then for when i was a postman i was working from home i was like this is pretty sweet i'm loving it and then i got to a point where i then was able to qualify people to become life coaches so i transitioned from coach to teacher and all of a sudden i'm a teacher you know if someone wants to become a fully qualified and accredited coach i had a i had a course that they could do where i would teach them how to do it but it was all completely old school offline it's like I was running ads in like magazines and newspapers to try to get people to leave their work to come and sit in a physical room with me in some hotel lobby or some hotel meeting room so that I could stand up in front of the audience, teach them about coaching, convince them that this is a good, this is a good career path, look at the journey I went on, to then sell them a course which was like two weeks long which was also physically in the room with me where they would need to get time off work. They need to get the kids looked after. They need to travel there every day. And it was going okay. I was selling some courses. I was making some money, but very, very, very old school. And then I'm scrolling through Instagram one day and I scroll and I scroll and I scroll and I come across Lewis Raymond Taylor, who's now my business partner. And I was like, perception shifted immediately. And I was like, there's another guy who's like me, similar age to me, kind of similar, kind of sounds the same, kind of looks the same. We're probably not, we probably didn't grow up that far apart. And he's a coach. And that was really weird to me because the only avatar I had in my mind was my mum. So I thought all coaches were like a woman who probably was a therapist at one point, maybe uh, did some coaching because they discovered like Tony Robbins, or whatever. 
But to, to like you guys now, you're like the avatar of a coach, right? But that wasn't the avatar of the coach in 2017. Like it really, really, really wasn't. And so I was, I thought I was the only one. And so anyway, I saw Lewis and I was like, holy shit, there's another one. This is crazy. So I sent him a message and I was like, look, mate, there's no agenda behind this message. I just want to let you know, I love what you're doing. I love your message. I love your profile. Because he was also doing it better than me as well. My profile wasn't that good, but his was sick. It was just like his content was really good. His storytelling was really good. His, his pictures were really, everything was good about it. He had like, I don't know, he had like 6,000 followers, which was a lot at the time. I probably had like 300 followers or something. I was like, this guy's this guy's like doing something that I'm not doing. And even though I was making money as a coach and I was making money as a trainer, I, I was interested in this. So anyway, I sent him a message. And I, so to be fair, I've never said this before. There probably was an agenda behind the message. I, I just wanted to know that guy and learn from him and connect with him. And I was like, you know, you do you, bro. You do you. You're fucking smashing it. And he messaged me and was like, we need to meet. We need to, we need to be friends. Essentially, he was very open about that. And I was like, come to my apartment, which was literally in the middle of Borough Market, in the middle of London. I was like, come around for a coffee. He came around February 16th, 2019. And I shit you not, we created the Coaching Masters that day. Wow. That day. It was just like the stars aligned and we could see the next 10 years ahead of us. And the reason why it worked so well was because not only have we got we're very similar in many different in many ways and we're very different as well. But it was primarily because I had part A and he had part B. I had the ability to create coaches, to take someone who's not currently a coach, who has an interest in becoming one, and I could qualify them. I had that skill. His whole business model at the time was helping coaches build their business and get clients, which is quite popular now. But back then, he was like one of the only people doing it and he was doing it really well. So he was like, if you can create the coach, <laughs> I can get them clients and help them build their business. And it's he was like, combination. it was just like the perfect thing, especially yeah. in like 2019 as well, yeah, yeah. four years ago. I know four years isn't a long time, but the thing is when things grow quite rapidly, it, 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 a big difference can, you know, things can change in that time. So, I, so he was like, could you create a course where you can qualify someone to become a coach over 12 weeks. And I was like, that's what I do. He was, but I said, I did it over a two week intensive, but this was like two, two hours a week for 12 weeks. I was like, mate, like all day long. So I created our first ever course, which is our 12 week coaching accreditation program, which still to this day is our flagship course. Wow, It's that's the mental. course that's made us the majority of our money. We, I created it. We, we basically pitched it to his small community of entrepreneurs at the time who were interested in becoming coaches. The first time we launched it, we made like 17 grand or something, reinvested it, all of it straight back into the business. We launched it a second time and made like 40 grand or something. And we did it again. And then by the third time we did it, we realized that we delivered it so fucking good and we delivered it live on Zoom that we were like, what we should do is use the recordings of those Zoom calls and create this as an evergreen course. Because we were like, I don't really want to deliver it again. Not because I don't want to, but because you're not going to get better than that. That was so perfect. And we didn't want to mess with it. And we didn't want to get stagnant or stale or get bored. So then we had our first ever or, or um, passive product, really. It was like our first ever completely, um, what's the word for it? Uh, evergreen, evergreen course. And so long story short, four years later, we've kind of like just repeated that uh, process. We've, uh, we have now got six courses. We've got a monthly membership. We are now technically the first 
coaching academy on earth that can train people to become coaches inside of VR. Isn't that wow. fucking, isn't that wild? Whoa, so how's that work then? So basically we've built like an entire building inside of the VR space. I'm in there. That's like, my avatar. <laughs> so, so it's that's like your live interaction. Yeah, yeah. So I'm in I'm So you're in like there. standing up on the whiteboard yeah. and that, but it's 24-7. That is my, so my VR avatar Fox. right now that's is teaching it. people, yeah. but I'm not there. That's mad. And Lewis's one is teaching people. So you put the goggles on and you kind of have like a walk around the building and you're sort of like you can sit and like see what's that's going mental. on in the different rooms. And you go into all the different rooms and it's all of our different trainings and stuff. And then where they're teaching it, and it's, it's absolutely wild, the mate. Fu the future. That is, that the is blow my head. It's crazy. So That's we've got mental. this thing where on day one, you sit in this massive like cinema and you uh, watch virtually vir yeah, yeah, yeah. so you watch that vr headsets and that from home yeah but and... we but we we're we're now like a few days away from just sending a vr headset to every person who wants to buy our course right it comes so with a package it comes out of a, yeah. a, a brand new oculus 2 headset will come with every one of our courses right. if you choose to do that no way so anyway get your branded on it yeah it, it's exactly mate yeah we've already done parts like that but so one of the first days is you sit in this massive cinema like with the goggles on and you watch demos up on the screen, like real life coaching demos. And you're like, right, okay, okay, I'm getting it. This is what I've got to do. Then you go into another room and my avatar breaks down the demo and is like, right, this is what you've just seen. This is how. And then you go into another room and you coach someone. So you've got like a client sitting in front of you but mate, we're doing some crazy shit because for instance, we, we, we're developing this other thing, which is called the public speaking room. We're taking people who have a fear of public speaking and through virtual reality, we're getting them to deliver a speech in front of 10,000 people. Virtually. In, virtually. Wow. In, in genius. The, in, in the Coliseum. Wow. So just to talk about an, in, an intimidating environment, if wow. you want to get someone over their fear of public speaking within minutes, Get them to deliver a speech in front of 10,000 people in the Coliseum. And I shit you not, all of a sudden doing a talk in front of 20 people in a boardroom is like easy. That is genius. And that, on, yeah. on, that, on that note, anyone listening to this, go obviously it'll be in our Instagram, but uh, in our the description, go follow Liam now. Because if you've got a fear of public speaking, that sounds insane. Uh, it seems like you're well ahead of the game. And I can, I can tell you and, uh, you and Lewis are obviously completely different thinkers, you're big thinkers. And something yeah. I talk about a lot is, is having that millionaire mindset. And mm. I've got my, like my belief is a lot, especially young entrepreneurs, but even not just young entrepreneurs, a lot of people in general, like 90% of the world are in quite a scarcity mindset yeah. the yeah. majority of the time, yeah. which can really hold people back from getting six figures, seven figures, eight figures, and, and also making an impact. So yeah. I guess my question to you, Liam, is how important is having that millionaire mindset, mm. even if you're, even if you're, you know, living paycheck to paycheck, how important is it to have that millionaire mindset to take your life to the next level? Well, that's one of the most beautiful things about mindset is that you can adopt a mindset no matter where you're at. So you could be living paycheck to paycheck, but no one is going to fucking stop you from making a decision that you're going to change your mindset today. No, your boss isn't going to stop you from doing that. Your parents aren't going to stop you from doing that. So as long as you understand the way in which, let's call it the millionaire mindset, I mean, we have no shortage of millionaires, right, in the world now. I mean, millionaires are being created every day en masse. And therefore, just studying the millionaires and the billionaires and the future trillionaires, which I think at some point, you know, it's going right. to happen. Elon's right? probably on his way. I mean, Elon must be on his way. I mean, there's an argument to be said that Bill Gates could have even probably have got there if he hadn't. He gives a lot of money away to the Bill Gates Foundation or whatever. But like, regardless of your views on Bill Gates, he probably could have been near to that at some point. Um, but anyway, the fact that you have the ability to 
ask the right questions to yourself, i.e., what do I think they struggle with? What do I think they desire? What, what do I think their values are? What do I think their beliefs are? Just asking yourself a series of questions to try to decode what we will call the millionaire mindset. One, that doesn't cost you anything, mm. right? So if you're living paycheck to paycheck, happy days. It doesn't matter. It doesn't cost you anything. Secondly, once you feel like you've got a bit of a grasp on that mindset, you can make a decision. And I love the word decision. I think there's little things in this world more powerful than a human decision. You can make the decision to adopt the mindset. And it doesn't cost you anything. And no one's going to fucking stop you, right? By doing that, you're going to put yourself in a position where you're going to start to shift your perspective and see things that have always been there, mm. but you didn't see them before, right? Opportunity, for instance. Now, this is this is something that give it, you know, to give him his dues. Lewis, I mean, Lewis has got the millionaire mindset. He really has. And I've learned to adopt the millionaire mindset from him. That's bizarre because that's like the I, the thinking bigs come from him to be honest right they're like our older brothers <laughs> yeah, yeah come on in lads we'll the ways. Come on in. <laughs> mate and, and you know be proud of that as well you know i don't shy away from that at all like i i me and lewis both know that the coaching masters could not have been created without the both of us we fully are aware of that he needed me and I needed him for various different reasons. But I have absolutely no problem in being completely honest and talking about the fact that he is the visionary. You know, he's the big thinker. He's the one with the natural millionaire mindset. I've needed to adopt the millionaire mindset. I've needed, I, and I'll tell you why, because of something you said, Callum, scarcity. You know, mm. I had a very scarce mindset throughout the vast majority of my life. You know, scarcity around many different things, scarcity around money. I I'll tell you what is fucking batshit crazy. I held on to the belief and I believed this strongly. Now, how wild is this considering like what I've built now? I believed it was impossible to make money. Like what an, what an outrageously strong belief to have. I, I've had that early, like a few years ago. I, I felt the same way. And it's way. so limiting, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I was just convinced. I was just like, and even though logically you're like, well, people do make money. And I'm, and I'm referring like, when I say that, I mean outside of a job. It's impossible to make money outside of a nine to five, right? And even having ditched my job and started to build a business, I still had that belief. I was like, this is it's just impossible. No one can do this. It's just, how, who's going to pay me any amount of money for anything I have to say? I had to really work on that and I had to really develop that. So to answer your question, Callum, it's vital to have the millionaire mindset. It's vital to have a mindset of abundance. It's, a vit it's vital to have a mindset of opportunity, of expansion, of collaboration, being risk averse, not to an extreme where you're going to put your, get yourself in loads of trouble, but just openness and freedom and willingness to look at opportunities and, f and look for them and find them and embrace them and put yourself in a position where you, you have to invest. You have to invest your time. You have to invest your money. You have to take some risks. You have to be vulnerable. You have to put yourself out there and, and ask the right questions and it's vulnerability. I think vulnerability comes with the millionaire mindset in a big way. And I don't think many people talk about that because when we talk about it, it's very much like millionaire mindset. It seems like there's a lot of power behind it. You know, mm. it's forward thinking, it's powerful, it's action taking and all of that stuff's great. 
I think a big part of the millionaire mindset is willing to be completely vulnerable out there in the fucking open and like, I don't know what's going to happen, but fuck it, let's jump in. Yeah. Yeah. And just go for it. I think there's, that's a big part and, of it. And being vulnerable and understanding <clears throat> what your skills are. And, oh, and then who yeah. you can collaborate and with. And what your weaknesses are too. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Both of those are key. Yeah. Both of those are key. And we, me and Lewis, what was really interesting is me and Lewis openly spoke about that very early on. And, and we figured out quickly why we needed each other. You know, I brought a lot of authenticity and I brought a lot of um, charisma and comfort. People like me, right? And I, I'm aware of that. I'm completely aware of it. I know... I can be, we'll be mates. Like there's no, there's, and because you guys have that as well. Like you're extremely easy to talk to. You're charismatic. You're full of energy. I could become mates with anyone, uh, regardless of who they are. I, I can effortlessly find a way of relating to them and being their friend. And Lewis needed that. He needed someone that, that people were going to trust. Because the thing with Lewis is Lewis is an absolute genius, right? But he will be the first person to tell you that he's not very approachable and he's not, he, he doesn't have the kind of energy or the kind of profile that someone will immediately trust. He's got the kind of energy and profile that people might be a little bit kind of cagey around and think, it, I've got it, to figure it, this guy out. I haven't met him yet. It might come from his, his past. From 100%. What you yeah, mentioned. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. It's probably, yeah. he's probably, yeah. From the past that's created who he is, obviously going to totally. obviously going to prison uh, prison and stuff. Totally, totally. It's almost like took that on. Hundred percent. And no obviously doubt. meeting you has probably brought him out. I bet he's a lot more approachable now. Hundred percent. Way more yeah. approachable. Way more approachable now. And you know, but and and what I needed is I needed that strategic thinker. I needed the guy with the millionaire mindset. I needed the risk taker. I needed the visionary. You know, one of the first things I ever said to Lewis when we met was, bearing in mind I was already a coach, I was making money as a trainer. I said to him, I feel like I have got a huge amount of potential and I've got no idea how to access it. And he allowed me to access it. He working together with him put me in a position where I was able to express that that um what's the word I just used? That um potential. That potential mm -hmm. that I had. Um but yeah, I mean I love him like a brother. You know, it's it's been a it's been an interesting four years. Working with Lewis and building this business with Lewis is almost like the most intense business course you could ever yeah imagine. always learning on the yeah, job always always learning on the job under pressure because that's mate we got we got a hundred over a hundred employees who all work, work remotely you know it's pressure it's pressure running the tcm is pressure swearing so we're, we're quite spiritual as well and like something Good. we yeah, massively same. believe in is um sort of set clear intention take massive action yep and then when I say leave the house of the universe, you don't yep. know what's going to come your way. And, you know, you meet people, opportunities come your way. So we just have that clear intention. So that direction, we take massive action on it. And then the how just, yeah. it, it, it just it happens when yep. you start taking action. Love it. With where you're at now, so you've got a $25 uh, million company. Yeah. Yep. Where do you see yourself? Um, where do you see the growth of the company and where you, the growth in yourself as well five years from now? Yeah, that's, that is a brilliant question. And it's actually something that we've been thinking about a lot recently because we're currently raising investment for the company. Nice. So we started an investment raise last year when we first got the valuation, raised a million dollars, and which is like, okay. And 
that I know that sounds crazy because there was a time in my life where a million dollars was like, what the fuck? But like, really, I'm not even kidding. It's like, oh, what? Like, it's just not enough. Like, it's just not enough for where we're going, right? So we raised a million dollars, which is good. Um, we're constantly making progress all the time. Within the year in which we raised that million dollars, we've made massive progress and we've sort of gone leaps and bounds towards making the academy even bigger, developing the virtual reality training, creating an app as well. It's just... But now we're looking to raise more. We're looking to raise more. So how much exactly? I'm not in too sure. It's probably now going to be between like the two to five million dollar raise. But what comes with that is the idea of like the five year plan because they all, all the investors want to know that. Like, what's the five year plan? What's the exit plan? Now, what's really interesting about that is very similar to what you just said, Jacob. It's like me and Lewis will have these conversations with these investors, and we're like, well, I don't know what's going to happen in five years. You know, I, I can I can create a plan for you on paper if that's what you're really looking for, but I can't tell you that that's what's going to happen because you've got to surrender to it. You yeah, know? 100%. You know, I can't be so rigid that I'm going to be like, this is the amount of money we're going to be making and these are the products that we're going to have and this is these are the countries we're going to be in. But they want to see that stuff. And it's a really weird one because I think that they must know that it, it may not work out that way, but they still want to see it anyway. And I think it's more of like a paperwork exercise. So we have been thinking about it and it's mainly just huge expansion of what's already working. You know, it's just grow the academy, develop the VR training, develop the app, make the membership even bigger, get into different countries, expand into different languages as well. I mean, there is a, a gigantic opportunity for us to expand into India or Russia or China you know all of these countries that at the moment if you don't well any country if you don't speak English currently you can't do our course because it's not in any other languages mm, yeah you know which is mad when you think about it like we're already valued at 25 million dollars in 85 There's different abundance countries of opportunity there is there 8 is. billion people in the world exactly yeah. imagine if all of a sudden I know this is a bit of a touchy subject at the moment but imagine if we like made it Russian like all of a sudden, yeah, they're just all of a sudden <laughs> yeah. our market goes like you, you, in, you in virtual reality speaking <laughs> Russian. <laughs> and the beautiful thing about that, especially with AI as well now, I was about to say like that. that. I could do it like that. Hundred percent, one thousand percent. I can. You could. You could. Have, I, I don't know if this exact thing exists. I'm sure it does, but I can guarantee an AI tool at the moment could listen to our course and regurgitate it in Russian. 100%. Yeah. The way the way it's moving forward. No doubt. But it seems like you've got such massive think. I love it. Expanding all over. Like me and Jacob want to take Freedom Lifestyle around the whole world. Yeah. In terms of, I guess, with all what you know now, obviously you've created a 25 million pound company. If you were to rewind back to like you start your 20s at the start of like your entrepreneurial career, I guess what advice would you give to yourself with all that you know now? The, the thing that's that I'll always answer things just with like whatever my subconscious offers to me because I think those are the most important things. And Definitely. this will be really yeah. good for the younger listeners as well. Now, this might seem like a bit of a hot topic at the moment and you might hear about it a lot, but it really is something to embrace. The thing that I would say to myself is fully embrace personal brand. Jump yes. into that as heavily as you possibly can because everyone, not everyone, that's a generalization, but what I find happens a lot of the time and what I've recognized amongst students is People have a, a visual of what they think a very successful business is and it's a logo and it's a tag name and it's an office block with loads of employees and it's, and it's this. But it has to start with you as a person, as an individual. You will be able to rapidly accelerate the growth of whatever business you're in if you embrace the idea of personal brand. If you want to 
not if you want to, you have to, you absolutely have to put yourself in a position where you make the decision that you're going to do everything you can to become an authority in that field. But as well as that, pair that with all of the things that makes you unique, because every single person listening to this is completely 100% unique. No other person on earth has ever lived that exact mm. life that these individuals have. That goes for us as well. Every time we've turned right or turned left, every time someone said something about us or to us or we've seen something or heard something, it's created <clears throat> a completely unique individual. That uniqueness is gold in terms of personal branding. So just embrace personal branding and put yourself at the forefront of the journey because I, I tried to hide behind the logo for a while and I tried to hide behind the company name and I tried to make it look like it was like I had an office and it just needs to be you right just you. obviously this will come about I uh, saw your stories and yeah. it resonated with me you were talking about billionaire think and I thought and you were talking about the freedom of being able to pop <laughs> around the world and travel and that caught my attention I reached out to you and, yeah and here we are yeah. And that was from your personal brand. Mate, I was I was sitting at my kitchen table, like, and I just had a thought and I was like, oh, this this would be interesting. I just and it was one that day I was like, look, I'm not even gonna try to make this look good. I'm not gonna find the right light and I'm not gonna make my shirt my make sure my hair's looking good. And I just shared some thoughts, right? Everyone needs to be doing that. They need to be embracing their personal brand. That's you know? like my, that's what I like try to do every single <laughs> yeah. day. That's like my focus. So is that like your advice to people is to go Definitely. all go all in with like sharing their story because like you said everyone's got their own story mm -hmm. it's just all about utilizing your story because you're going to resonate and connect with other people that's gone through similar things definitely there's a lot there's loads more stuff we could talk about of course there's things that need to be paired with that like for instance knowing what your marketing positioning is is so key like knowing who you help specifically mm. and how you help them yes. again sounds really basic but i think a lot of people really miss that people have these aspirations and this energy where they're like i want to help everybody i want to like save the world yeah. i want to i can add value to so many different people's lives and if you try to do that no one's going to listen yeah you need to be so specific i'm a i'm a this doesn't just go for coaches this is vital for coaches but i this goes for so many different businesses but you have to be so crystal clear on exactly who your audience are yeah definitely and what pain points they have and what desires they have and what they're thinking what they're feeling and have such a clear message of i'm going to help you overcome this pain and achieve this desire and a lot of people are really scared of losing out on opportunity yeah. Yeah. and it's the worst thing to be scared of because let's say for instance you know one example i always give is if you're let's say let's say you need heart surgery right hopefully Kellum, you'll never need heart surgery but let's say you need heart surgery. You've got surgeon number one who's a heart surgeon and you've got surgeon number two who does a bit of heart, they do a bit of brain, they do a bit, they do a bit of everything, right? You are going to be willing to pay this person way more money because they say, all I do is hearts. Yeah. I don't do anything else. I'm not concerned about the brain. I'm not concerned about the gut. I, I, I don't even think about that stuff. Everything I read, everything I listen to, everything I speak about is only focused on hearts and doing surgery on hearts. And that's exactly what you need. That person is more valuable to you. But now imagine that you need heart surgery on the upper left chamber of your heart. Surgeon number one is a heart surgeon, but surgeon number two is a heart surgeon that only operates on the upper left chamber. Every time they write a book, every time they're speaking up on stage, every time they're being interviewed, everything they do in their life is focused around surgery around the upper left chamber of the heart. All of a sudden, it might look like they've just cut away a shitload of opportunity, mm. but in reality, they've become the 
go-to person for that specific problem for that specific type of person or group of people the best thing about that as well is as more specific you get number one the higher the investment's going to be exactly and number two every single testimonial is going to resonate with that target audience exactly if you can help a unique group of people solve a unique problem and achieve a unique desire you're the guy or the girl you're the one and so You've created a, an abundance of opportunity by being unique and embracing. And if you then pair that with your personal brand and the reasons as to why you are that person. Game over. Game over at that point. <laughs> yeah, Killer combination. Yeah. No one fucking, well, not no one. Loads of people are figuring it out, but a lot of people neglect that. That's some serious. Yeah. Anyone listening, Freedom Lifestyle listeners this now, rewind that back, get your notepads out, write that down and go all in on that. All in. Yeah. All I love in. It. I love it. And before we wrap up, a question I always, we always like to um, to ask our guests is, uh, Liam, what is your freedom lifestyle? My freedom lifestyle, December 2nd, 2020, I became a dad to my stunning, incredible, energetic daughter called Posey. And my freedom lifestyle is being able to at any moment, be able to drop anything I'm doing because she wants my attention. That's my freedom lifestyle. That's powerful. I don't need, mm. she's tugging on my shirt saying, daddy, daddy, I want, listen to me, pay attention to me, talk to me, come and play with me. And my freedom lifestyle is being in a position where it literally doesn't matter who I'm talking to or what I'm doing or where I am. I have the ability and the power and the authority to be like, sorry, I'm going to have to pause you there. Something considerably more important is happening just to be present for my daughter. And, that, and I think that's going to give your listeners something to think about because coming through the ranks of business and the coaching world, of course, everybody has their different viewpoint on freedom. You know, And at times there would have been, for me, it would have been, well, being able to travel around the world, it would have been having a certain amount of money, it would have been all of these other different things. And I want to say right now, aspire to that. Try to get that, because that's good. You should aspire to that. But then at the same time, there will be these moments in your life, and one, having kids is one of them, honestly, lads. It's like where you realize that this individual, this being, this spirit, this part of you, is the most important person in the world and the most important thing in the world. And I just, I desire for my daughter to grow up with confidence and happiness and presence. And so I will give her 100% of my attention at all times. And as long as I'm still able to do that, that's, that's freedom to me. And, and you're going to be an amazing dad, Liam. We can already tell. But this podcast, there's going to be many future collaborations with us. I can't Definitely. wait to see your journey and I can't wait to see our journeys all together. But this podcast has been absolutely class as always. Come <laughs> on, come <laughs> on, let's have it. Thank you for listening to the Freedom Lifestyle podcast. Myself and Jacob run a free community on WhatsApp with over 200 entrepreneurial lads in their 20s, escaping the rat race without doing it alone, feeling overwhelmed and burning out. I don't know whether you want to scroll down now, click the Freedom Lifestyle community link, take a short quiz in under two minutes to join for free. I can't wait to see you in there.